section fourteen of final report of the advisory committee on human radiation experiments this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. final report of the advisory committee on human radiation experiments ethics of human subjects research a historical perspective chapter one part four the wilson memorandum twenty sixth february nineteen fifty three memorandum for the secretary of the army secretary of the navy secretary of the air force subject use of human volunteers in experimental research one based upon a recommendation of the armed forces medical policy council that human subjects be employed under recognized safeguards as the only feasible means for realistic evaluation and or development of effective preventative measures of defense against atomic biological or chemical agents the policy set forth below will govern the use of human volunteers by the department of defense in experimental research in the fields of atomic biological and or chemical warfare two by reason of the basic medical responsibility in connection with the development of defense of all types against atomic biological and or chemical warfare agents armed services personnel and or civilians on duty at installations engaged in such research shall be permitted to actively participate in all phases of the program such participation shall be subject to the following conditions a the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential one this means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force fraud deceit duress overreaching or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision this latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject there should be made known to him the nature duration and purpose of the experiment the method and means by which it is to be conducted all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected and the effects upon his health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment two the consent of the human subject shall be in writing his signature shall be affixed to a written instrument setting forth substantially the aforementioned requirements and shall be signed in the presence of at least one witness who shall attest to such signature in writing a in experiments where personnel from more than one service are involved the secretary of the service which is exercising primary responsibility for conducting the experiment is designated to prepare such an instrument and coordinate it for use by all the services having human volunteers involved in the experiment three the duty and responsibility for ascertaining the quality of the consent rests upon each individual who initiates directs or engages in the experiment it is a personal duty and responsibility which may not be delegated to another with impunity b 
the experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results for the good of society unprocurable by other methods or means of study and not random and unnecessary in nature c the number of volunteers used shall be kept at a minimum consistent with item b above d the experiment should be so designed and based on the results of animal experimentation and a knowledge of the natural history of the disease or other problem under study that the anticipated results will justify the performance of the experiment e the experiment should be so conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury f no experiment should be conducted where there is an a priori reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur g the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed that determined by the humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment h proper preparation should be made and adequate facilities provided to protect the experimental subject against even remote possibilities of injury disability or death i the experiment should be conducted only by scientifically qualified persons the highest degree of skill and care should be required through all stages of the experiment of those who conduct or engage in the experiment j during the course of the experiment the human subject should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end if he has reached the physical or mental state where continuation of the experiment seems to him to be impossible k during the course of the experiment the scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage if he has probable cause to believe in the exercise of the good faith superior skill and careful judgment required of him that a continuation of the experiment is likely to result in injury disability or death to the experimental subject l the established policy which prohibits the use of prisoners of war in human experimentation is continued and they will not be used under any circumstances three the secretaries of the army navy and air force are authorized to conduct experiments in connection with the development of defenses of all types against atomic biological and or chemical warfare agents involving the use of human subjects within the limits prescribed above four in each instance in which an experiment is proposed pursuant to this memorandum the nature and purpose of the proposed experiment and the name of the person who will be in charge of such experiment shall be submitted for approval to the secretary of the military department in which the proposed experiment is to be conducted no such experiment shall be undertaken until such secretary has approved in writing the experiment proposed the person who will be in charge of conducting it as well as informing the secretary of defense five the addresses will be responsible for ensuring compliance with the provisions of this memorandum within their respective services signed c e wilson copies furnished joint chiefs of staff research and development board top secret downgraded to unclassified twenty two august seventy five
on february twenty sixth nineteen fifty three secretary of defense wilson signed off on the afmpc policy it was issued in a top-secret memorandum to the secretaries of the army navy and air force the wilson memorandum reiterates the principles of the nuremberg code requires written and witnessed informed consent of research subjects and prohibits the use of prisoners of war the policy was to govern the use of human volunteers by the department of defense in experimental research in the fields of atomic biological and or chemical warfare for defensive purposes the basis for the classification of the nineteen fifty three memorandum is not clear since the memorandum dealt with atomic and other unconventional forms of warfare its classification may have been routine there is evidence that the dod had a general desire to keep hidden from public view any indication that it was involved in biological and chemical warfare related research the wilson memorandum of course was just such an indication in september nineteen fifty two the joint chiefs of staff advised the services to ensure in so far as practicable that all published articles stemming from b w biological warfare and c w chemical warfare research and development programs are disassociated from anything which might connect them with u s military endeavor in one sense the memorandum is a landmark in its official recognition of the nuremberg code but in another sense it also generates important questions having determined to recognize international principles of human rights why or how could the secretary have limited their application to some but not all human experiments why was the policy directed exclusively to experiments related to atomic biological and chemical warfare moreover was the policy intended to govern such research wherever it was conducted for example when it was performed by private contractors as well as by intramural researchers how was a directive issued in secret implemented communicating the nineteen fifty three wilson memorandum that there were problems in the dissemination of secretary wilson's top secret memorandum is evidenced in a memorandum containing queries by officials of the armed forces special weapons project afswp within a year of the wilson memorandum's issuance the afswp now the defense nuclear agency dna was at the hub of dod nuclear weapons research in the course of a routine review of research reports an afswp official learned that volunteers were injured as a consequence of taking part in a field experiment of flash blindness conducted at an atomic bomb test before the wilson memorandum was issued see chapter ten the afswp reviewer immediately concluded that a definite need exists for guidance in the use of human volunteers as experimental subjects on further inquiry the afswp reviewer found that a policy already existed but had not been disseminated to investigators a follow-up memorandum evidently written in early nineteen fifty four records in november fifty three it was learned that there existed a t s top secret document 
signed by the secretary of defense which listed various requirements and criteria which had to be met by individuals contemplating the use of human volunteers in biomedical or other types of experimentation it was learned that although this document details very definite and specific steps which must be taken before volunteers may be used in experimentation no serious attempt has been made to disseminate the information to those experimenters who have a definite need to know the lowest level at which it had been circulated the afswp reviewer learned was that of the three secretaries of the services efforts by an assistant secretary to downgrade the document had not been able to obtain concurrence the reviewer hoped that this letter shall point up the need for some relaxation of the grip in which this document is now held at least on a definite need-to-know basis the application of the wilson memorandum to further experiments conducted at atomic bomb tests is discussed in chapter ten implementation in the army the army did take substantial steps to put into effect the wilson memorandum in june nineteen fifty three the army chief of staff john c oakes issued a memorandum implementing the secretary of defense's policy in toto referred to in the army as c s three eight five this memorandum was initially classified top secret but was declassified the following year in addition to the provisions of the wilson memorandum the army document required the prior review and approval of both the surgeon general and the secretary of the army the army's memorandum also contained legal analysis that explained the source of the army's authority to perform human experiments in the first place and the limits that this authority put on the selection of subjects even in the midst of the korean war the army did not view it as self-evident that the dod could engage in human experiments or choose any subjects it wished the memorandum explained that the authority to experiment on humans came from congressional enactments including provisions for research and development interestingly the choice of subjects was to be governed by the army's ability to ensure compensation in the case of death or disability this could be provided the lawyers declared only upon express congressional action in the case of military personnel and contractor employees there was such provision but there was no such authority in the case of private citizens who offered their services the army lawyers recommended and the c s three eight five policy provided that private citizens not employed by army contractors could not serve as research subjects on march twelfth nineteen fifty four the army office of the surgeon general o s g issued an unclassified statement entitled use of volunteers in medical research principles policies and rules this document too restated the nuremberg principles in contrast with the wilson and oakes memorandums it was not restricted to research related to atomic biological or chemical warfare instead the osg statement was directed to medical research with human volunteers generally moreover while c s three eight five did not state directly whether it applied to contract researchers the nineteen fifty four osg statement was transmitted to at least some university researchers with the prefatory note to be used as far as applicable as a non-mandatory guide for planning and conducting contract research 
there is evidence that the osg's requirements were sometimes more than non-mandatory guides for example in a june twenty seventh nineteen fifty six letter to the armed forces epidemiological board a tulane university public health researcher agreed that his vaccine experiments with prisoner subjects would be conducted only after written consent was obtained from the subjects the tulane researcher indicated that with respect to his application for funding i have held it up since dr dingle indicated i be familiar with the statement of the office of the surgeon general re the use of human volunteers i have read it and believe that our past and future work have and will comply with the rules stipulated moreover this researcher provided a written statement to supplement his original proposal that explained how the osg requirements would be met in another case a proposal involving measles and normal children an afeb official advised the researcher to take the osg policy into consideration in writing the proposal as discussed earlier in nineteen fifty two the army obtained congressional authority to indemnify contract researchers in the event that an experiment caused injury or death there is evidence that the army sought to link the grant of an indemnification clause aspr seven point two o three point two two insurance liability to third persons to a contractor acceptance of the principles stated by the army surgeon general in a march nineteen fifty seven letter to the university of pittsburgh which was proposing to use medical student volunteers in a non-radiation experiment the army told pittsburgh that the provision of the clause was contingent upon your adhering to the following march nineteen fifty four office of the surgeon general principles policies and rules for the use of human volunteers in performing subject medical research contracts while the evidence clearly shows that army officials sought to apply the nuremberg code policy to contractors it did not meet with complete success and the full extent of its efforts remains unclear as we see in chapter two in the early nineteen sixties harvard successfully resisted the inclusion of the nuremberg code language in its medical research contracts with the army as we see in chapter eight which discusses dod funding of research on the effects of total body irradiation the indemnification language was included in at least some contracts in which the surgeon general's policy was not mentioned by nineteen sixty nine however the policy may have become standard in army contracts under the authority of the medical research and development command there are several possible explanations for the seeming absence of widespread inclusion of the surgeon general's memo as a contractual requirement at least where indemnification was provided for first as discussed below it is possible that the nineteen fifty four policy was meant to apply to research with healthy subjects and not sick patients however even if that were generally the case the provision of indemnification might be expected to have triggered reflection on this limitation second as a related matter the evidence we are reviewing shows a tension between the government's declaration of a principle and its readiness to actively insist that the principle be honored within the privacy of the doctor-patient relationship finally 
army imposition of the surgeon-general's principles may also have depended on the nature of its interest in the research being done an april third nineteen fifty seven memo distinguished cases where the institution because of its primary interest would conduct the research even without the support of the osg from cases where the study is conducted at the insistence of the osg in the former case the strategy would be to seek cost-sharing contracts in which the institution would assume all responsibility for any possible effects resulting from the experimentation in the latter case the indemnification clause would be provided but the march nineteen fifty four policy would also be required and included in the contract directly or by reference it is not clear that the nineteen fifty four osg policy on human volunteers was intended to apply to research with patients the term volunteer is ambiguous but at the time was commonly used to refer to healthy subjects nonetheless a nineteen sixty two army memorandum that declared that since world war two by and large research has been conducted in strict accordance with the nuremberg code mentions patients the memo reported that a recent survey of contract research found that the volunteers treated in accord with the nuremberg code included three thousand students two hundred and fifty patients and three hundred prisoners it is not known what kind of research these two hundred and fifty patients were involved in nor is it known what proportion of the patients who had been subjects of research supported or conducted by the army since world war two were represented by these two hundred and fifty unfortunately the nineteen sixty two review's confident declaration that army research complied with the nuremberg code was too sanguine in nineteen seventy five following public revelations that the army and the cia had conducted lsd experiments on unwitting subjects the army inspector general reviewed the application of the june nineteen fifty three policy to drug testing the inspector general's review led to the declassification of the nineteen fifty three wilson memorandum the inspector general found that the army had with one or two exceptions used only volunteers for its drug testing program however the volunteers were not fully informed as required prior to their participation and the methods of procuring their services in many cases appeared not to have been in accord with the intent of department of the army policies governing the use of volunteers in research additional dod research requirements while the navy is not known to have taken specific action in response to the nineteen fifty three wilson memorandum we have already noted that the navy had long since provided for prior review and voluntary participation in some cases the nineteen fifty one navy manual of the medical department required secretarial approval of human experimentation and the use of volunteers these requirements apply to experimental studies of a medical nature involving personnel of the naval establishment military and civilian participation was to be on a voluntary basis only the manual also mandated prior review for research with patient subjects clinical research including research projects and therapeutic trials was to be authorized by the board of medicine and surgery 
at least for research with radioisotopes the requirement for voluntary participation may have applied to patient subjects as well as healthy subjects in nineteen fifty one the navy debated adoption of a permission form for the use of radioisotopes for patients at naval hospitals this form to be signed by either the patient or the responsible next of kin authorized the use of tracer therapeutic doses obtained from the atomic energy commission for research purposes although it is not clear that the army rules implementing the nineteen fifty three wilson memorandum applied to patient subjects there is some evidence that consent forms that were usually used for surgical procedures were used in patient-related experimental settings involving radioisotopes in nineteen fifty five an official from the letterman army hospital in san francisco asked the walter reed hospital about the need for written permission forms for test doses of radioisotopes in response the army indicated that a standard form used for operations and anesthesia should also be employed at the physician's discretion when authorization for administration of radioisotope therapy is desired in the air force a 1952 regulation on clinical research mandated safety and administrative procedures for the use of humans in experiments at air force medical facilities this regulation required prior group review but did not mention consent provisions or refer to the subjects as volunteers in 1958 a letter from the air force's air research and development command describes the policy for the use of humans in hazardous research and development tests this policy reiterated the requirement for prior review discussed in the 1952 regulation in this context however subjects were to be volunteers who understood the degree of risk involved in the experiment what then were the operative rules in the department of defense for research involving human subjects in the nineteen forties and nineteen fifties by the mid nineteen fifties for the entire d o d for research related to atomic biological and chemical warfare and for all research involving human volunteers in the army the formal rules were the ten principles of the nuremberg code and the additions included in the secretary of defense's nineteen fifty three policy according to the nineteen seventy five testimony of the surgeon general of the army before the u s senate and the internal review conducted by the army inspector general these principles were army policy at the same time as the inspector general reported in nineteen seventy five and as we discuss further in chapter ten these requirements were not always known or followed while there were attempts to implement the army surgeon general's nineteen fifty four policy it is not known how the policy's provisions including the requirement to obtain voluntary consent were interpreted the navy's nineteen fifty one requirements for prior review and voluntariness applied to all research involving navy personnel the extent to which research rules applied to patient subjects in the clinical setting is less clear there is some indication that in some cases standard consent forms akin to the surgical permits in use at the time were employed with patients at military hospitals who were administered test doses of radioisotopes End of section 14.